This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3518 for Wednesday the 26th of January 2022. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Law S01E47, Big Blue Button, and then 80 and this part of the series, Linux in Laws, it is hosted by Monochrome, and is about 55 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, our two OAP discuss running conferencing systems like Big Blue Button behind NAT. This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux in Laws, Season 1, Episode 47, Big Blue Button Behind the Net. Uh, Martin. Hello. I understand. Yes. Not too bad. And yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yes. Perfect. How is IBM treating you now that you've decided to join the Rattan Company? IBM. (laughs) Yes. They used to do um, punch cards, but that was about 100 years ago, maybe more. Oh, you were the IBM fan. Martin, I may be an IBM fan, but I'm but I'm not that working for them yet. Well, you might be when Renesis take over. But... <laughs> <laughs> you heard full, it here first. Full, full disclosure, full disclosure. <laughs> I'm a Redis employee. Martin is not because he decided to defect long ago. About that, there is no sign of Redis being bought by IBM or vice versa. I At think publicly, yes, indeed. But there you go. That's fine. Um, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Still, bound to happen one day or another. They buy everything if it's not Microsoft. So. You mean IBM or Redis? No, no, no I, both Microsoft and IBM. They buy anything that moves around. So it's they're still Google. Question of time. Yeah, <laughs> Google. They don't tend to buy too many things. And there's, there's, still, there's still this company called VMware. But I think they're more in the business of selling things these days. Hmm. Like PCs well, and stuff. They, um, they, they, they sold Salvatore, didn't they? They did what? They sold Salvatore. VMware? Hmm. That's what, 20 years ago? 10 years ago? Well, no, Redis is not that old, is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I remember Redis' 10th birthday about, hmm, was that uh, a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, it was. Yeah, was. last year. Was it last year? Okay, fair enough. Sorry, Nick, it, it, well, 12 years ago, because this uh, this episode will air in 2022. 
<laughs> if the plan is still around, then, but then you never know. Chances no. might be because Biden is not in power and not this idiot Trump. It's going to get worse, is it? Hmm. <laughs> well, you your your no, no, guess is as good as mine. Look at it this way. They had Reagan for quite some time, right? And it didn't go too, too badly wrong then. So <laughs> That so country has endured a lot, worse. yes. It's going to be worse, yeah. Indeed. Now, uh, Martin, the uh, topic for today is the dark magic. No, sorry, black magic, rather not dark, not just dark magic, but rather black magic of getting BBB behind to work a network tra address transversal setup. Mm. Translation, sorry. I, I believe so. I believe so. Why don't you enlighten us about network destination first, Chris? <sighs> Net is, it has been around for ages. It stems back to the time when IPv4 was in full swing and there was a shortage of internet, of publicly available internet uh, IPv4 addresses. Mm. So the idea was basically to, to accumulate or group, let's put it this way, devices in your home behind a router and then the router would take care of representing all of the devices in your home network by a single publicly visible IP address on the outside and then mis magically translating, hence the term NAT, translating the incoming requests or data packets rather to the individual devices where, where, where they came from. Say you open a website with your mobile phone. That mobile phone has an IP address as issued by your Wi-Fi capable router. If you're at home, indeed. Yes. If indeed, yes. I'm just yeah. talking about a, a domestic setup, of course. Okay. With that IP address, which is local to your Wi-Fi, comes a so-called MAC address, medium access control. It's a layer two address that uniquely identifies a device on the planet. In contrast to IPv4, which has how many bits? Thirty-two, right? No, yeah. more than that. Thirty-two. No, no, four, four times. Yes, four octets exactly. Yeah. Max have I think sixty-four or hundred and twenty-eight. I think uh, it's sixty-four, right? Six. Um, yeah, they have six elements, but I they are they... not uh, octets, are they? No, exactly. I think they have sixty-four bits. Wikipedia has probably the, the correct definition. <laughs> Links maybe in the show yeah, notes. It's been a while anyway. since we've been to university. <laughs> exactly. The point is that you don't have to worry about the address space because there are enough bits in there. So essentially, the, the simplified version is that a router based on the MAC address will do the yeah, yeah. 48. Thank you very much. Will do the, will do the IP translation for you in terms of as soon as you get an IPv4 address or IPv6, if you chose to do, if, if you, well, IPv4 actually, sorry. Uh, as soon as you get an IPv4 address, you also, or the router also makes sure that he records the MAC address. So as soon yep. as you open a web page on your mobile phone, the outgoing HTML GET request is, of course, encapsulated in a TCP packet. Hmm. So the router then records that requests and associates it with your MAC address. So once the answer comes back from the web server, it can look up based on timestamp and other, and, and, and other magic, especially TCP and, well, TCP sequence numbers. Let's put it this way. It can associate the corresponding incoming packet with the MAC address and can forward that 
to your mobile phone. This is how NAT, as a network address translation, works in a nutshell. So the bottom line is that you can cascade, essentially, or that you can field a public IP address to many local devices, which is the overall concept behind NAT. Mm -hmm. Very good. And now, now, why is that a problem for BBB and as in for Big Blue Button and friends? Hmm. Maybe, but maybe before we go into that level of detail, Barton, what is BBB? Uh, Big Blue Button is a, let's call it an open source alternative to your Zooms, Teams. Uh, yeah, it's... WebEx, uh, GoToMeeting, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it's quite fully featured, uh, has many components. Um, we use it for our recording right now, in fact. Um, yes. We have handy whiteboards. We have video calling if we wanted to use it like that. And uh, you can uh, screen share, upload presentations, use it for pub quizzes, whatever you like. It's uh, quite a nice piece. And Yes, and the beauty about BBB, of course, it has only about 27,465 <laughs> technologies yes. incorporated. So it's, it's quite set forward and not complex. This, mm. is the, this is the important thing about BBB. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, but you'll be pleased to know that um, uh, one of the component, main components of, of Redis is, uh, sorry, of BBB. It's is, called is, BBB is, is Redis. It's Redis. <laughs> it's, and not the other way around, yes. yes. But yeah, I think this um, is optional, right? This is not mandatory. Yeah, it, uh, it's really for communication between the, the various components. Um, other no SQL databases can be used. <laughs> mechanism, yeah. Yes, uh, you can be. Um, yeah, no, true. So in terms of components, there is obviously the front-end piece. There is the uh, the audio-video side. Uh, there's the media server um, database for um, various uh, authentication type. You know, you have... Uh, different users and access rights that you can have on BBB. So um, it's a fully fledged uh, application with many, many, many features. Really. And the and the plus side is it actually it, it runs on a host of operating systems, namely Ubuntu 18.04, or sorry, 20.04, the latest, I think. No, no, it doesn't run on 20.04. No, no, no. I uh, thought, or does it, it, does I it, thought does it did, now? yes. Wow, I okay. Well, for ages, um so when no Debian, first, no Arch, first, no Fedora. <laughs> when we first started using it, which is probably a year ago, maybe. It, that was probably 16.04, right? <laughs> yeah, that was 16.04, which I'm still running, actually. Um, nice one. Especially considering my last upgrades of my main server. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> Just to make my life easier. Um, yeah. Uh, so where were we? Uh, the the challenges of running BBB behind a net and why is that difficult? Well, I think as you said, the main one of the main challenges of BBB is the many 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 components because of its wide functionality, right? So you have uh, let, let's just run through the whole setup a little bit. Um, oh, okay. First of all, actually, full disclaimer, as, people. As, 
this episode yeah. will be cut, will be only about five hours uh, <laughs> short because <laughs> explain the full tech stack will about ten will be about roughly ten hours. Mm. Sorry, Martin, I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we see I think we'll uh, just focus on the main components. What time is it now? Yeah. Half eight <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, main components. So, uh, what were we talking about? Yes. So you have, um, you have bits to do your media server, right? So, um, you have to have your, uh, okay. Obviously, WebRTC is used for audio and video, right? As, uh, with everybody else. Um, there is an option to use uh, different, um, actually dial, plug into dialing cable. It's, it's quite extendable as well, which obviously we haven't done. But going back to the start, actually, so I'm running this on um, a 1604 VM still on uh, my main server. So, uh, okay, so, so very quick. Uh, description of my setup. I obviously have a, a router firewall um, uh, to the outside world. Then I have my main server, and that pretty much runs all of my uh, things like mail servers. It runs Synapse, it runs uh, BBB, uh, and so on, various other bits and pieces that uh, need to be uh, accessible from the outside world. Okay. Um, so on that server, I run a VM running BBB. So uh, what's nice about this is that um, uh, clearly you could run BBB in the cloud, right? If you want to, then obviously you're paying money. Um, whereas, you know, for the same amount of money, you may as well buy a cheap uh, PC and run it yourself um, and have more fun setting it up as well <laughs> in the process, as, as we have found out. Um, but yeah, running it in a VM means that uh, the VM will have its own private uh, IP address, its own firewall. Uh, it's, it's essentially uh, presented as its own uh, machine on my private network. Okay. Which also means that I can redirect traffic from my firewall to it directly, um, should I want to. Uh, the alternative setup, obviously, is if you have, um, I think in, in your case, you have... Um, you're using Nginx in front of everything and then uh, just uh, redirect, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? When I, when I used to run it, yes, but that's, okay. that configuration is long, is long gone. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's the alternative, right? It's, it's a slightly um, easier setup because you have one central access point where everything comes in and you don't have to update your certificates in many places <laughs> um, if you do it that way. But um, the advantage of doing it this way means that I can redirect anything from my firewall straight to my VM. Okay. Um, so there is the... Uh, so, okay, so WebRTC is clearly used for the um, communications piece, which just means that you have to have a certain amount of uh, ports redirected to your uh, BBB server. Fine, that's that's all straightforward. Um, but it it really comes down to what's um, presented uh, to the outside world and where. Um, so for many um, communications that use WebRTC, um, people use a turn server uh, to bypass uh, NAT. Um, and what's a turn server? 
Uh, Turnshare is really a, um, uh, a, a where your your client connects to the turn server rather than straight to your um, your endpoint. Um, so it's an intermediate, really. Uh, so it's a discovery thing. What's it stand for again? Uh, surely it must stand for hmm, something. Okay. Traversal of something. Details might be in the show notes. Yes. Very good. Very good. It's essentially a discovery component, like bonjour mm. in the Apple world. I mean, yes. Oh, does that still exist? Ask Apple. I don't know. <laughs> It, it, it came it came about with an ancient version of OS X. <laughs> yes. But, but I'm oh. not too sure. If it, but I think it's still around, yes. Do you think? Okay, anyway, it doesn't matter. I just, yeah, just remembered <laughs> seeing that like 10 years ago. Anyway. So Kotlin oh. Server basically is able to tell you what devices you can reach behind said network. Mm. Fences, gardens, wall, <laughs> garden walls, walled gardens, whatever you want to call it, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Now there is uh, also a protocol called Stun. Again, um, something that your turn server can provide. Um, again, we'll have to look at what it stands for. <laughs> uh, the T for traversal, clearly. Um, but yeah. Uh, so that's the Stun Stun protocol that allows you to bypass firewalls, etc. Um, now with BBB, what you can do is so actually so. The turn piece takes care of the, um, let's say, the negotiation, the comms for WebRTC, right? Um, now, what you can do is set up your own, uh, which then means uh, making that properly available and uh, exposing that piece to the uh, outside world and uh, negotiating it that way. Or you can use um, a publicly available turn server, uh, like provided by the likes of Google, for example, which makes life a lot easier so you don't have to run that as well. Um, so that's that's one of the things to consider. Uh, by the way, the BUB documentation is pretty good on the website. Um, if everything works, uh, when it doesn't, then <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're kind of on your own a little bit. And um, oh, for what of a bad expression, you're fucked. No, no, you, you need some results to uh, more uh, drastic in, in, in depth <laughs> investigation how stuff works. So, because uh, because yeah, there are so many components, right? There is um, free switch. There is. Curento uh, for the media server. There's, there's all these yes. pieces that need to work together. Um, um, yeah, turn of oh, office. Uh, so, by the way, turn stands for traversal using relays around that, and mm-hmm. stun means session traversal units. Uh, session, sorry, session traversal utilities for NAT. Ah, thank you. Yes, excellent. Um, that will be without acronyms. Um, which is, by the way, on a side note, a topic that they teach in schools these days. But Do they now? <laughs> Excellent. We're making progress. <laughs> Quite surprised about I mean, the, the, the problem, of course, is that this is of central importance for each and every person that wants to host their own BBB instance behind their uh, domestic router setup, right? Because yeah. this is not... I mean, that is the modus operandi for, mo- for many, oh, if not yep. all of them. 
unless you're running your own IPv6 connection, um, um, and for, for Zoho routers. So mm-hmm. each each and every time you set up a an infrastructure like this, like that, you are facing these issues. Yeah, um, and and yeah, with um, with WebRTC, you want direct peer to peer communication, um, which behind the NAT is um, uh, not that straightforward. So, um, and which is exactly why turn servers are in place. And uh, I started out using. Uh, my own turn server because I think I use that for matrix to start with. But um it's an optional component, yes. Yeah. For uh, the reference implementation called Synapse. Hmm. Or Synapse or whatever it's called these days. Element, who knows, yeah. <laughs> well elements front end. Yeah. Um but yes. So um where were we? Yeah, so so basically, uh, uh, the turn server is doing the forwarding, right? Um, it's it's your intermediate that mm. can do this for you. Um, now, then we come to the bits and pieces that do the, um, the say the voice conferencing piece, right? Which we are using right now. Um, which is uh, facilitated by Free Twitch. Uh, you could also, in theory, uh, plug it into uh, voice or IP phone things but with extensions, but obviously clearly we don't need to do that. It's, um, uh, it, it all makes it far too complicated. Um, but um, yeah, so when we go back to uh, the pieces that we have. So, okay, let's go back. So we've got WebRTC to take care of the audio and video um, directly. we got FreeSwitch to uh, do the, uh, the, the the WebRTC audio piece. And we have um, uh, Curento for the, uh, the, the, the camera side or the, or the video side, um, as well as the screen sharing those kind of pieces. Okay, so you have a lot of different bits um, and pieces that are running as independent services on your BBB instance, let's call it something like that. Um, BBB does come with an action, uh, with a handy conf utility which checks certain things, uh, but sadly that doesn't catch um, everything. Um, so it's it's a start, right? If if BB conflag something up, then clearly you want to uh, start with that. But uh, even if it says everything is, is is happy, you may still not have any audio, for example, things like that. Um, okay, so your uh, WebRTC endpoints. Um, in my case, I, I use the, uh, the, the the Google Turn server because it's probably available. It always works and it saves me from setting up a lot of uh, things. Then there are the, um, uh, for free switch, there's the IP addresses that it presents to the outside world, which are of relevance. So there are two different ones, which are the um, the RTP IP and the SIP IP, uh, which would be, uh, which in my case are the IP of my outside world IP address, right? So that that's what's presented. Um, 
and makes them accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, whereas, for example, um, uh, all, all these components talk to each other, right? So, so we have outside world talking to uh, components of BUB, but then we also have um, components talking to each other within BUB. So we have uh, free switch, we have um, uh, Curento, we have all these components that BUB runs, and so uh, you can't just blankly say, oh, every IP address that all these services run are my outside IP address, because that's then your, uh, say, your, your free switch is trying to talk to something, then going first outside and coming back in again to talk to an internal BUB component. And uh, specifically, if, if, you know, in my case, I'm running this on a, um, on a VM, which has its essentially its own instance with all the BB processes running, um, then I would have to have also a route to the, the specific port for that service, uh, open or redirected, let's put it that way, from the outside world to the VM running the other components. So, um, so whereas clearly you want components that purely talk inside the BB instance to talk over the internal IP addresses. So this is really, um, uh, the separation is, is, is fairly straightforward in that way that um, anything that has to be presented to the outside world, you use your uh, public IP address and for any internal communications, you use your internal one. Now, I don't know how many people actually <laughs> want to try and run VVB um, behind or on their own server. Uh, if, for simplicity's sake, the easiest thing to do would be to use your hyperscaler and um, <laughs> set it all up there because it's very much uh, simpler in that way. But, um, yeah, should you choose to do so, um, these are the things to bear in mind. Sorry. Please, yes, please bear in mind that some people choose not to have a account or an account rather at a mm. hyperscaler but have the kit lying around in the house anyway well, yeah exactly and they might as well basically reuse some of the kit to run their own bbb instance no, no, rather no. than renting yep. a hyperscaler vm or vms rather to provide that service for them yeah yeah so no i agree that's that's what i did as well and I mean, I made life slightly more complicated by running it within a VM <laughs> in uh, um, in my because I only have one main server; the rest are all kind of more um, uh, client PCs. Um, but as long as you can present it as a uh, separate uh, machine on your internal network, then you're uh, you're good to go with your firewalls, right? So you can redirect what you need to. Um, there. Yes, Martin. For the people who don't know, for the two people in the audience who do not know this, Martin mm -hmm. has the advantage of not having a life, so he has plenty of time <laughs> at his disposal to try out various <laughs> configurations uh, until they work. And plus, well, Martin, and then plus, do an upgrade <laughs> when it's not working. <laughs> plus, Martin doesn't believe in disaster recovery or high availability, so he all the instas into a couple of VMs and running this on a server, which is probably the size of house and it's called a system Z provisioned <laughs> by IBM. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, clearly we don't have, we only have one power supply and 
and things like that. So yeah, who who needs uh, HA? That's it becomes very exactly <clears throat> because disaster recovery, business continuity, all the, all mm. the rest of these crap concepts are just invented by marketing to make money. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. No I business mean, purpose you, whatsoever. If if you were to do it properly, you'd set up uh, obviously uh, mirror images in 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 uh, in the US and in Japan and stuff like that to give you global coverage. But <laughs> <laughs> why bother? Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You just need one server under your desk, and uh, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yes. <laughs> I hope your ISP keeps working and your power keeps working. <laughs> Praying apparently, I'm led to believe does help. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, where were we? Um, yeah. So a divine intervention, if not completely mistaken. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so the, the, the big, um, big things to consider are uh, the, the free switch and the turn config here. Um, those are the two kind of uh, what do you call it? Key components that you need to get right. Um, mm. I mean, uh, as mentioned, Nginx before, um, uh, I could have done it differently and set up Nginx right at the front and use Nginx to redirect everything. But yeah, um, it's more fun to do it this way. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, but you have this behind a Let's Encrypt encoded HTTPS proxy as a reverse proxy, no? Yeah, so, so yes. So um, th this is just the point, right? So you could, uh, okay, so because what I could do is is have one um, access point that all the external traffic comes in behind my firewall router, right? Um and then go from there. Nginx would take care of of, of, of all the um, outside communication, making that uh, secure. However, as, as as I mentioned, I've set it up so that the VM is directly accessible as a standalone, complete, isolated BBB only VM. That is everything is rerouted to that instead. So on my BBVM, I'm running another Nginx, which is using the same certificates as the others, which um, uh, need a certain amount of automation to keep them up to date. <laughs> but uh, Dehydrate comes to mind, never mind CertBot and other fine pieces of software. Well, I wouldn't well, go, I wouldn't yeah. go as far as calling CertBot a fine piece of software, but that's beside the point. The hipsters, yeah. including myself, actually use Dehydrated these days for that level of optimization. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the thing about shirtbot and things like that is you always have to have port 80 open if you want to. Uh, well, obviously, you can open it before you run it. But, um, yeah, because the, the, this is the thing about this certificate renewal with the Let's Encrypt. Yes, but you see, Martin, there's something called an IDS or even an IPS. Okay. Which which you exactly, basically, put behind said port 80. So any script kitty... Uh, try on his or her chances will immediately run into uh, facing a rat, a, a reverse access trojan, if done correctly. And they only do this once or twice because after that, their machine is yours. Do I? Kids, um... kids do not try this at home. We are trained professionals. <laughs> do, do, do I hear another episode <laughs> topic coming up? <laughs> maybe, Mr. Mr. Maybe. <laughs> 
No, I mean, jokes aside, you can do you can do something about this. So yes, port 80 has to be open for you for the time where you renew the shirt. Either you put something behind it that does that magic, or you just open it for the duration of that of that certificate renewal. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, the second one is is my preferred option right now. Since and this is only a couple of IP table commands in Linux. Mm. Mm. Of messing with your firewall. Yeah, so you, I mean, you can do it two ways, right? You can all, you can have your firewall open at port eighty, and then use your machine firewall to uh, open and close as required, or you can, um, uh, yeah, automate your firewall port opening. But the second, the first option is clearly easier. Um, or you put something called Snort on your Open WRT router, for example. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can do this. It's always an option <laughs> if you if you have the software and hardware capable of doing so. Mm. This is where open source comes into play. By the way, um, what's what's <laughs> the name of this um, uh, project that has all the uh, open source versions of the router software? OpenWRT. Yes, thank you. You're more That's than welcome. What? Formerly known as later, formerly known as OpenWRT. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's not all routers, but many of them. Let's put it this way. It's quite a long list. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm. And um, the beauty is basically yeah. you are presented with a somewhat POSIX compliant user land, and the package uh, list is quite comprehensive. So fail to ban Snort and all the rest of them are on that list. Mm. And if not failing um, uh, for or for some reason, uh, you have a usual you have the usual tool chain at your disposal. So, as a matter of fact, on my Netgear, I'm running Emacs. Okay. Because I can. Because all Emacs needs is actually a C compiler. And Mm. if you tell Emacs not to bother with crap like windowing systems, you actually have a very small and efficient editor at your disposal. Yeah. That is not VI. Well... Why? Anyway, <laughs> we, 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 because, um, Martin, because. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you use anything else? Anyway, um, because, we, had a, we had a recent because, comment about uh, desktops yes, and how bad they were. But, yes, uh, because yeah. Martin, before we go into that question, let yeah. me let me answer yours. Okay. Because it's an editor and not a pain. <laughs> it's no, quite simple. It's, it's only the, the persistent people that. Um, <laughs> Plus you, the fact that VI to their advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they are also called OAPs. <laughs> As in the oldies of the world. Uh, hey, people that came from, uh, what was it, Ed before, they, they were amazed and by VI, right? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <the future>. <laughs> <laughs> you see, in contrast to VI, actually, proper operating systems like Emacs come with a packaging management system, with a package manager. Uh, Alpine comes to mind. The <laughs> I, I think is still lacking oh, Alpine, that feature. Yes. Um, yeah, Alpine. Uh, interesting. Sorry, yeah. Alpa, not oh, Alpine. Alpine, okay. Alpine no. is a Linux distro, and, and Alpa yeah. is actually an Emacs list packaging archive or something like this, ah. as in a proper packaging, as in proper as in proper package mani- management system. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, Alpine. Um, uh, the front end. Part of BBB runs in a Docker container, which is running on Alpine. But Correct. By the by. Hence so. the magic word container. <laughs> hence the additional technology component in the stack, hmm. namely, namely Docker. 
Indeed. As it so happens. Yes. And, uh, yeah, if you run into an issue with, um, uh, not related to, uh, BB, BB behind the net, if you do run into an issue with, um, uh, recently with BB and, and Green Switch saying that your, um, uh, your, your secret isn't configured properly, all you need is a, um, a Docker pull of the, uh, Docker container that runs Green Switch to update that because the, root certificates are out of date um, rather nice. than your setup. So essentially that means recreating the container. Yes. Because you're putting down a new image. Mm-hmm. Fine. Great. Mm. Again, that was a bit of a... Uh, pro tip. Confused. Pro tip, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before you spend an hour looking at... Uh, why is my secret changed? <laughs> It hasn't. <laughs> so, so you see, people, if you have if you have too much time on your hands, BBB is the way to go behind the net. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But apart from that, it's a great piece of software, and it does many, many, many things really well. So. Yeah. Full disclosure: we had what's his name again? Not Douglas. Somebody else. I'm going to cut this out anyway. We had the project <laughs> manager. <laughs> Thank. Was it not Frank Karliczek? No. Duck? No, no, no. Duck something, I think. Not Frank no, Fred, no, Fred something. Fred, Fred. Something. Fred. Yes. yes. We had Fred, the project manager, or product manager, whatever it was his demonization. Yeah. It's about, uh, on the show about a year ago. It has been more than uh, um, um, interesting, let's put it this way. And full disclosure, jokes aside, we still use BBB as our main, as, uh, as our main vehicle to record this podcast. And never mind what Martin or myself say. Full credit to the project. No, no, it's I a, mean, it's I mean, a great piece of software. Never mind Martin slagging. Uh, ad- ad- adopted by many uh, government uh, organizations. In- yes, like the NSA, like the CIA, like it was called GHQ or something in Great Britain. <laughs> they have a whole, whole building looking after this software. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And you don't have to worry about the backup. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> yes. Anyway, jokes aside, no, it's it's still a great piece of software, and especially considering the alternatives. The only pet gripe that I have with it, basically, there was a project about a year ago where p- five people among me, among me being one of them, tried to containerize this properly, and mm. we just failed. Oh, dear. And uh, suffice it to say, these weren't rookies. And that tells you something about the complexity of the implementation yeah, stack yeah. that is behind this project. It's not but for it, the faint-hearted, if you want to meddle with it. It's also uh, the fact that it was running on 1604 until very recently, where they're now running on 1804, right? Which is. is uh, well, that was the whole purpose behind this containerization project. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, some, yeah. because all you would need is actually, if he, if he would have succeeded, was actually a, a, a platform capable of running yeah. a container manager like Docker. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. But, um, I think that pull request is probably still open. Isn't it? You mean the twenty we opened about the <laughs> issues? <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I think there weren't any. I, I, I don't think that there were actually a pull requests about the yeah. about the uh, about the content about the containerization project because all we managed basically is to find issues in quite a few of them. Ah, uh, okay. Well, they're probably addressed by now, right? So maybe I'm not sure. Time, time for for another. Tw- <laughs>
Yes, Fred hinted at the fact that this may be available in other, in other distros, but he left the year open. He only said March or something. Did he? Uh, oh, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. I don't it's know. quite a while ago, this recording, I'm afraid. Yes. Uh, okay. In conclusion, uh, Martin. Conclusion. What, what do you think were the biggest challenge, challenges apart from the certificate renewal? I'm joking. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a pain, yes. Um, no, biggest challenges are really, um, yeah, you can't rely on the... Uh, with a single piece of software that is uh, kind of not consisting of many, many pieces, you install it, you configure it, it runs right. Whereas there are so many moving parts with VUB that you have to uh, understand how each piece works if you're trying to, um, rather than being just blindly following the instructions, you, you have to get mm. to the bottom, bottom of why things are the way they are um, suggested. And then, um, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of where I started. So I spent a few evenings just trying to work out what all these bits and pieces did. And, um, uh, again, just working out which pieces were working. Um, but, but also, I mean, you know, my, my setup is not the easiest, uh, to be fair by, uh, in theory, well, so <laughs> the reason for my setup is well, that um, uh, one, I like it, but two, it's it in theory it should all be straightforward. But when you start introducing uh, a complex piece of software like that, then it is no longer straightforward. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. By the way, did you come across any any good tutorials or? Are there documentation that make that yeah, make it easier to set this up? There are a few bits and pieces on um, things like FreeSwitch and uh, WebRTC, which um, um, you know, you, I mean, clearly with your background, you don't need that. But if you don't know the the basics of of uh, the WebRTC um, architecture and how it does things and what a turn server does and all these kind of things around that. Those are the the things that you then need to um, understand in more detail. Mm. Um, so, so essentially, yes, you have the architecture or BB, which is, uh, the documentation is, is really good in that way. That it describes all the components well and what they do well. Well, uh, they have a paragraph on each. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, then you have to rather than uh, going through the instructions saying, oh, you need to open port so-and-so when you need to set this value to that, you need to understand why these things are being done that way. And if that applies to your situation, which is then means that you have to understand mm. uh, what FreeSwitch does and what WebRTC does and, and what a turn server does and things like that. So, um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's all good learning, really, if you're interested in these kind of things, um, I would suggest. So if your objective is to, to run it, then, uh, yeah. But if you're interested in learning these kind of things, then it's um, mm. it's it's a good <laughs> mechanism to, to learn it because in a way you have to. Uh, you haven't got a choice but to understand it properly. But you set it up. Uh, but you set it up on your own VM, right? Mm-hmm. Are there any pre-configured distros running BBB? Do you know, like OpenELEC, for example, for Cody or something like this? In the absence of any working containerization of the project. 
I don't know, actually. Um, interesting question. No, so I just set up a blank uh, 1604 uh, mm-hmm. installed and configured BB from scratch on that. And then, uh, I mean, in fairness, when I did the same about one and a half years ago, the setup script was awesome. Basically, it it took a look at the it took a look at the, at the at the existing configuration of the sixteen oh four it was running on and pulled mm-hmm. down all the packets required, set up the uh, set up the Docker yep. instance, pulled down the images, create the containers, all the rest of it. It mm-hmm. take it took about twenty minutes on a quad core instance on a virtualized quad core mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. but it basically it's down to the level of. You just tell me where your certificate is, or what, or what your, or what your Let's Encrypt account is, and I'll do the rest for you. Yeah, it's quite amazing. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. And as I said, the the you know the uh, the conscript which uh, you're talking about, it also has the the check options. Is how many options to uh, go through your configuration. So it it's uh, yeah, it, it, they've tried to make it um, very user friendly. Um, in my case, it. Um, it wasn't enough to to uh, get it set up completely, but yeah. in, in many cases, it probably will. If you have a, uh, as, as I mentioned, if you have a single machine, that's um, uh, where you have, uh, you know, your, your hyperscale instance, for example, then I'm sure you wouldn't have to do much at all to just mm. uh, run the install script and open a few ports, and you you're up and running. Exactly. I mean, as long as you stick to a standard, whatever that is, installation, you're you're kind of. Uh, you off to the off to the races. At least that was my impression. Basically, when I installed it on the VM, as I said, about one and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I tried something similar to you before I did this because the luck, as in the Linux user group, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. that I was doing that for it, basically had a similar setup to yours, where the server instances were behind a somewhat, let's put it this way, complex firewall configuration. Mm-hmm. And that was similar to you, and that was a nightmare. So I said, mm. "Screw that! I'm gonna go my I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hire a VM by myself." It's, so I ponied uh, I ponied up the money, but they didn't have any NAT or firewall restrictions, mm, and that pretty much worked out of the box for about at least almost a year. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, yeah. If if your only objective is to get Something up and running, uh, or could be maybe button up and running, um, as a you know a piece of software to use. Then, and you don't mind spending a few um, euros a month on an instance. Then that's the way to go. If you uh, want to uh, 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 take things apart and put them back together, then yeah, I mean that quad core instance cost me about seven eight euros a month. Hmm. And we only used it for a year, so I was I was quite happy yeah. with that. Yeah. But in contrast to that, the the research project associated with the former approach <laughs> didn't really check out because at at that time, for a number of reasons, I didn't have the bandwidth as my at, at my disposal. Hence, this, this is it, right? Yeah, yeah. Hence, this notion of getting this properly in into containers about a year ago, which we obviously failed with. Yeah, it's a shame. But maybe this has changed, and if you know about a proper solution to this, please get in touch. The email address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu, because if you manage to put this into containers, we will have you on the show. And that's not a threat, that's a promise. Mm. Because I know quite a few people who are eagerly looking forward to that thing working. Yeah, 
There we go. Any any passing remarks? Any final remarks, rather? Sorry. Well, I think um, maybe since it's more than a year, the, the the Frankfurt lug should have a second attempt at this. <laughs> no. Well, you see, the beauty is that <laughs> we are now back to the seven G approach. If you think five G is is modern. You add just 2G and you arrive at 7G. And that's exactly what we're looking at. <laughs> okay. So we are back to physical meetings. I'm happy to report at least for uh, the remainder of the nice. year come, come, never, come November. Yes. So no virtual nonsense required. I hope. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Excellent. So where is the next meeting? We're currently working on this. Uh, probably back in the old haunt. All right, there we go. So, anybody want to join the Frankfurt Lug? Go to the old haunt. <laughs> yes, uh, details <laughs> will be in the show notes, like the URLs and all the rest of it. Club, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no haunt, as in as in gathering place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And the oh yes, we just have, since we don't have any feedback, apart from the usual one that Martin's during the last couple of episodes that Martin's voice was quite low. But I'm, all, I'm almost tempted to add that he's married, so but we won't go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, poxes. Yes. As in picks of the week, yes. Um, you mentioned a movie the I other did. day. I did. Um, it is called Parallel or Parallels? Uh, Parallel. Details maybe in the show notes. Um, Parallel. What is it about, Martin? Oh, it's really about uh, alternate realities, and um, a bunch of people are able to uh, find a way to travel to these alternate realities and uh, also bring things back from them because times move times move differently in these alternate realities, and uh, things have developed differently, right? So, uh, as we well all know from the theory. Uh, in, in alternate timelines, things not may not have developed the same way as they have in the one you're in right now. So, like Philip K. Dick's novel called Vulcan Hammer or whatever it's, it was called, a Vulcan. No, I think I think it was Vulcan Ham, Vulcan's Hammer, where he described a post World War Two Europe, where actually the Nazis would have won. That sort of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean that's 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 an example, right? Yeah. Of, okay. Of, of a of an alternate, uh, yeah, or a Great Britain, deserving that name now. <laughs> when 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 Maggie Thatcher really failed with regards to the Welsh miners. <laughs> well, we're talking yeah, ancient about, history uh, now. I know. <laughs> talking about boxes of the week, um, there is also I also watched the uh, the Maggie Thatcher movie, um, Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Iron Lady. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was getting wrong. I think, I think, I think that, um, those kind of movies are not for our audience. <laughs> what do you mean that kind of movie? Uh, well, I don't know. You mentioned it, not me. Um, I said Iron Fist. I didn't say fisting, Martin. There is a difference. See, <laughs> in case you're getting confused. I, I'm not confused. Just uh, good to know. Um, yeah, but yeah, so this is really about the Falklands, um, which was quite interesting, really, about the, the the background story to that. I see. 
So there you are. So anyway, that's two 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 boxes for you. What's your box? My box of the week is also a movie called The Ice Road. Flick, I think, released in 2021 with a guy called Liam Neeson. One of his yeah, better no, ones no, recently. Last year, yeah, last year. Yes. Exactly. Um, one of his better ones recently, it's about, apparently it's a ripoff of a movie called Sorcerers, back, dating back, dating back to the, to seventy-seven. Sorcerers deals with the necessity of a group of people, uh, having to haul a somewhat unstable pack of dynamite across a couple of hundred miles. The Astro is somewhat similar. There is a mining incident, I think, in Canada, and some people in Dakota or that or that whereabouts are asked to haul a piece of drilling equipment across icy roads, which essentially are frozen lakes. The movie, in contrast to what you will read on IMD and uh, on IMDb and similar places, is is actually quite good. I think IMDb rates it at five point ten. I would sort of give it a seven, if not more. Because the acting is good, the action is quite superb for such a low-budget movie. Leeson manages to portray his character quite well, I'm tempted to add. Plus the fact there is a rather twisted turn of events, suffice it to say, that is not quite visible from the out, uh, from the outset. So stay tuned. As I said, I would at least give it a 7 in IMDb terms. And that's my box of the week. Good stuff. So don't forget the Halloween episode. Oh no, that's uh, that's only that's a few. Don't ones. use to forget to <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Stay tuned for the 2022 Halloween episode yeah. and the 2020 <laughs> ar- Christmas special. To, exactly <laughs> to arrive in a few months' time <laughs> at a podcast outlet of your of your favorite choosing. What is it? What else is there to say? Of course, uh, full credits have to go out to Hacker Public Radio. Mm. Can we stay? We 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 will stay with you as in the the platform of our releasing choice for the foreseeable future. And thank you for your good work. And looking forward to the next episode, I suppose. This is the Linux in laws. You come for the knowledge, but stay for the madness. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com. 
the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.